this. He really is. What we've been talking about over the last two weeks now, and it's so funny because, again, this was birthed like on a Sunday morning before um, in, our, in my quiet time, about the idea of relationship and journey. And that turned out to be the theme that God used in the next uh, four, these four messages, talking about a relationship and a journey. And I hope you always, if nothing else, see this right here, this is really an access door. But I hope you always remember that this is relationship and this is death over here. And that when God calls us to a relationship with Himself through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin not a journey, but we begin the journey that God has called us to. And again, this is so countercultural in society that we have today because we've been raised that we are to go ahead, you know, go ahead and claim the relationship, do the relationship thing. But then, really, we raise our children, um, those kind of things. We just raise them to do what they want to do, to amass as much stuff as they can in this journey. And then, at the end, call it success, preach a Christian funeral, and everybody's happy. And that is nothing further from the truth. And I said, now this is the fourth time I said it. I just can't find it in the book. And if I can't find the book, then I ought not to preach it. Amen? I'll be able to say what's in the book. So we've talked about relationship, and we've talked about journey. And, you know, this song, David, this song, All I Have is Christ, that's just an incredible song. Amen? Now, come on. You've got to read those words. If you are singing it without reading the words, you're missing the power of it. Um, as, I, as I thought, I, I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 5 and just kind of think about the relationship. What, what he did, here I was, was a pagan. Okay, and you were a pagan. You need to understand that. You were depraved, totally depraved, without anything you could offer God. You were lost and on your way to hell. Without Jesus Christ, that was your position. And God in mercy and love reached down and gave you through His Son relationship and the privilege of a purpose and a journey for life. It goes something like this. But when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to have it this morning, and we just didn't have time for it. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, sometimes even someone would even dare to die. Here it is. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All I have is Christ. Amen? It's tremendous. Now watch this. Much more than having now been justified or made just by His blood, listen, we shall be saved from wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. From wrath through Him. For if we were the enemies... How powerful is this? For if when we were enemies... Enemies of who? Of God. But if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. That is what happened on the day of your salvation. That is what the, the wrath of God was appeased, the payment of price was appeased, and you were brought into relationship with the Holy God, and you began this incredibly super journey. And here's where I want to kind of introduce the thought tonight. And we'll go back to Romans chapter 12 tonight. I thought it would be kind of cool to just go ahead and continue what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 12. And we want to talk about this idea of the journey. Now, now I think I've got this right. And, and Matt, you can set me straight after church if I don't have it right. 
But Matt is a, a, has ran a couple of marathons. Uh, he's going to run some more, I'm sure. And, you know, marathon running is an incredible thing. I, they have my utmost respect as they run. And there's a predetermined course that's like 26.3 miles or something. But they have a determined course. Now, there are some people in the race, generally speaking, particularly if it's the Boston, Boston Marathon or the Indianapolis one or, or one of the big, uh, the New York Marathon, one of those big marathons, there are people who fly in from other countries, okay? And their sole goal, they don't have to worry about finishing. I mean, they, they are trained athletes. Bar an injury, they're going to they're gonna do more than finish. Their goal is to come in first. Their goal is to come in first. So therefore, because their goal is to come in first, they care very little about the crowd around them. Their goal, in fact, is to have the crowd behind them. However, I have seen this in video shots, and I think Matt can testify to this, is that those that are in the race for a different reason, um, the challenge of it, um, the, the, the bucket list thing of, of being able to run 26 miles, sometimes being part of something bigger than you are, I've seen it happen where they would help one another. They, they would come up alongside a runner who, runner who was might struggling and encourage that runner. Man, is that right? And you seem perhaps... You know, he would nod for nothing. I ain't nodding this. <laughs> and, or, or, or hand water to them. Or I've even seen if they were injured, they would come alongside and help them. But these people are not in the race to get number one, but they're in it for the journey. They're in it for the experience. They're in it for the marathon. That is what the concept of the journey is. We, each one, are called to run a race. And that is next week's sermon. In fact, um, Dave read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning in his choir intro. And the idea is, we all have a race we are called to run. But ultimately, we are running in the same direction. And it is not about, it is not about being the first one to cross the finish line, but rather, what is it? Advancing the kingdom of God, rest, help God rescue sinners through His Son, and bring glory to God's name. And we do that as we run in the same direction. We may have slightly different courses that we run, but the journey is about going together and advancing the kingdom of God. We call it the church. We call it the church. We call it the body of Christ. But we are about not just going across the finish line, but advancing the kingdom of God. That is so huge and so very, very important. And that's exactly what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, 3 through 9. I'm trying to say this. It is not enough just to run, well, certainly not enough to run a journey, nor is it enough to have the attitude, it's all about me, I'm going to run the journey, the journey, and finish the line first. That we've got to, more importantly, Run, and as we come together, advance the kingdom of God. Now, Paul says something very important in verse number 3. Now, remember this morning. Let's see if I can do it from memory. I know I can, because I'd like to learn it back when I was uh, working for my guide badge in RAs. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, the perfect will of God. That was this morning's... And then he follows up with verse number 3 and says this. For I say 
through the grace given to me. Now, he doesn't say this as one who's arrived. He says that later on uh, in, in his writing, I think it's in Philippians. He says that, now, not that I've arrived, not that I'm Superman here, but through the grace that is given me, I say to everyone who's among you, to all the runners, listen, to all the runners on the journey, to all the ones who are going along the way. He basically says what I said earlier. It is not about you finishing the, fir- the finish line first. It's not about having the largest mega church. It's not about having the largest church in town. It's not about reporting the biggest number of Baptists in association. It's not about having the largest offerings in the state. It's not about that. He says, in fact, it's about this. Let me warn you. He says, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The tendency is to promote self, even among people with a relationship and on the journey and churches who have a relationship and on the journey. It's so easy to build a kingdom mentality and it's not God's kingdom, but our kingdom. It's awfully easy for Christian leaders and believers to advance our kingdom and not his kingdom. And it is so easy for pastors and for churches to advance our kingdom. i never forget, I remember a pastor once who discouraged his members from attending other churches because he was frightful that they might like that better. And Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly. And what's the best way of doing that? Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you really got genuinely saved right here, you probably don't have a problem. Probably pretty much, if you got genuinely saved, you had to come to a point that you had sinned against holy God. And there was nothing you could do about it but receive Jesus Christ. You probably you somehow had to reach that point here. But somewhere about riding here, when we've got a few years under our belt, or for the fast burners, we've got a few Bible books under our belt, you know, we're pretty talented or something, but somewhere down this road here, we have a tendency, now you would never own up this, and neither would I. I'm pretty good. In fact, I'm a lot better than those who are behind me. And I'm a lot better than the person running before me. And we forget the relationship day. We forgot our birthday. We forgot the day that we were totally depraved and God saved us. And we forget the concept that everything we ever will be is by God's amazing grace. Every talent, every ability you've got is because of God's amazing grace. We forget that and we have a tendency to get puffed up. You know, there's a thing that says, I'm not fat, I'm puffy. Okay? We got to get puffed up. And Paul says, don't get puffed up. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Because that's a natural tendency. And to make you feel better, it wasn't just badness. The uh, 12 original guys, several times they had discussions about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. After Jesus washed the feet, they had a discussion about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. It's just a natural tendency to get puffed up. If I don't take my water pill in the morning, I, get, I retain fluids and, and my wrist gets thick and my, my ring gets tighter. If I go to the mall and swing my arms and walk around shopping, I have a tendency to get puffy. Paul said, don't get puffy. Dehydrate yourself. Shrink, go on a pride diet. Shrink down. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But to think seriously, to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. As God gives you an understanding of who He is and who you are and the relationship and the journey that He's called you to run. Now guys, this is important. Because if, if you have the relationship, you're on the journey. And if you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, then you've got to have a proper perspective of yourself. 
I'm telling you, the tendency is to get puffed up. And we start pointing fingers, I'm better than this person, I'm better than that person. Why didn't they ask me to be a deacon? Why didn't they ask me to do this? Why didn't they tell me to do this? And we get our feelings all hurt when we don't get asked to do the important jobs that we think we ought to. Now, Paul addresses that by going into this member thing. Here's what he says. For we have many members in one body. Okay? But all the members don't have the same function. He's talking about the physical body, and you don't need an anatomy lesson on this. You know the hand's not the same as the eye, the ears are not the same as the nose, um, the belly button's not the same as anything. Um, so, you know, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're just totally different. All right? We're just totally different. In the body, this body's made up of a zillion parts that each one does its own thing. However, coming together, they all become Dwayne Taylor or, or John Calvert or Betty Browning, or, or Tim Darty. coming Those parts come together and form something that is useful called the body. Alright? Now he says in verse number 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of each other. So he says, as we have this relationship, every person who has the relationship is part of the body. And as we journey, we have individual races, but they're all going in the same direction. And watch this, the same purpose. Billy Graham, Dwayne Taylor, David Hicks, and and Brent Holloway all had the same uh, ultimate purpose. You know what it is? Bring glory to God's name and bring people into the kingdom of God. How we do that function differs greatly, but that is our to-do list from God. And he puts us, we're one body in Christ. We're on this journey heading in the same direction, okay? And individually, we're members of each other. We function together as we journey together. And then we sometimes join together, Tim, as a corporate body and form what we call a local church. Now again, we are so way different, it's ridiculous. There's some that are young and there's some that are old. There's some that like the hymns and some like the, the worship songs. There's some that are rich and some that are poor. There's some that are black and there's some that are white. Um, there's all kinds of different changes that's incredibly different. But we have something in common and that is what? The relationship. And the other thing we have in common is if we have the relationship, we should be in the journey. And the journey may vary slightly, but the ultimate goal is to bring glory to God's name and to bring people into the kingdom of God. That's it. That's what we're about. There's not time for petty differences. May I say it again? There is not time for petty differences. You, when we have petty differences, we are like a house burning down, and before we leave the house, we go through and empty the trash, clean the bathtub, and straighten every picture on the wall while the building is burning down. This world is going to hell, and the church has got to get over the petty differences that we argue about in the church and realize we have a relationship, and we are on a journey, and that journey is to glorify God and bring people to His kingdom. And the rest of the stuff just don't matter. We had all eternity to work that out. But right now, this world is lost and going to hell. And we are God's plan A. There is not a plan B. And folks, we have a responsibility as a corporate body, as individuals, to relationship and journey and to help others along the way. So how does that happen? Well, you know, this is not a 
no stretch of imagination, a total list. I think there's like 17 gifts listed in the New Testament. But what he does is he encourages us, as God has gifted you, once you begin the relationship, God gave you spiritual gifts, and as you have these gifts, it helps you and helps others along the journey. He says, for instance, you know, um, verse number 6, having then gifts, grace gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, okay? And, and let me pause here. Gifts are given not for self-glorification, but for body edification. The gifts are given to advance the kingdom of God and not to promote self. Okay? Be very weary of that. That goes back to verse number 3, where we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves. Alright? So he goes on now and quickly goes through six or seven gifts. He says, for instance... If you have the gift of prophecy, and now prophecy, we normally think of prophecy is foretelling. I think it's safe to say at least in our context today, I don't think there's, I know there's not new revelation. There's not new revelation. There's not new truth. I think we've got the truth. Amen? God's, not, God's revealed all He wants us to know about Himself right here. But I think prophecy can be the foretelling of this truth. Um, I think when a pastor preaches the Word of God faithfully, he is exercising at least a portion of the gift of prophecy. And he says, if you've got that gift, then we should do it in proportion to our faith, in measure of our faith. <laughs> Which I, I think kind of means like we probably shouldn't all be t- preaching and then doing something different. Okay? As our faith is, so our teaching ought to be. He goes on and says, now, or ministry. Or ministry, the, the gift of encouraging. You're in that race, okay? And a person's dehydrated. So you take the time in your journey to hand them a glass of water. Or perhaps you see a, a stranger over here who, who's not even in the race. They're over here on the sidelines. Or perhaps running a different race. And you have time to stop and minister to them in the name of Jesus in hopes of bringing them to the kingdom. If you have the gift of ministering, then we should minister. We should minister. Now let me pause here. God has given us gifts. And it's so important we discover what those gifts are. Now, on our webpage is a link with a spiritual gifts assessment that will help you find out what your spiritual gift is. I think sometimes the problem in the church is we have people who are called to be legs trying to be arms. And we have people who are toes who are trying to be a nose. Okay? And that often does not work well. You can walk on your hands, but it's not, and run on your hands, but it's not your first choice. So it's important then that we find this gift. And if your gift is ministering, then devote yourself to it. As your journey advances, as God gets you in ministry, now watch, watch, then you're going to find, as you're on the journey, that you're going to find opportunities of ministry. Look for opportunities along the journey and use those opportunities to advance the kingdom of God by bringing glory to God's name and then also by bringing people into the kingdom of God. All right, he goes on and says this. He who teaches in teaching. If God has called you to teach, if God has gifted you to teach, it may be in a Sunday school class, it may be a Wednesday night group, it may be from the pulpit, but if God has gifted you to teach, then devote your journey time to teaching others. And I think this could almost be, again, I think encouragement is another gift entirely, but surely teaching is an encouragement. I'm hoping through this series, for instance, that you're going, some of you are going to pick up and apply parts of these messages and say, well, you know what? I need to be on this journey. Because I'm telling you, over the last 40 or 50 years, what we have taught in churches is really counterproductive to what God wants us to be as a church in the 21st century. It's not new truth. We've just gotten away from the book. And we have birthed a generation of people who say, relationship, do what I want to do. 
If I want to tithe, I'll tithe. If I don't, I don't. If I want to have an affair, I'll just have an affair. God will forgive me. We've birthed this crazy generation that says, do my own thing. And we need to turn that around by teaching. If God's called you to teach, for goodness sake, teach the truth. Where do you get the truth? Where do you get the truth? If you're going to teach your children, where do you get the truth? God's Word. God's Word. Not Dr. Phil and not the Oprah show. He goes on and says this. He who exhorts, lifts up, builds up in exhortation. As you journey, it will be your encouragement, your exhortation gift to encourage others on the journey. Um, He who gives with liberality. And this is so cool. If God has given you the gift of giving, okay, that's, that's your gift. And you're journeying, not only giving, but giving liberally. And, and, and it does. In another translation, I saw the word cheer, cheerfully. Cheerfully. We know God, God loves a cheerful giver. I know that. But this is the idea, the concept, that when God has given you the, the ability to give, then we're just to give liberally and generously and open-handedly without any kind of reserves. He who leads with diligence. If God has called you and gifted you with leadership, no matter where it might be, and I hope every father here has been called to lead. And you know, as God called you to lead, do it with diligence. Do it with diligence. It's just so important that when we lead people, we put our heart into it. Put our heart into it. If He's given you the gift of leadership, then lead with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Oh, mercy, kindness, gentleness, love. And boy, there's going to be so many opportunities along the journey to share that, both with the ones on the road with you and the ones on the wayside who have yet to join the race with a relationship with God. But notice how he words that. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness, with gladness. If you're going to show mercy, sometimes we have a tendency out of frustration and we show mercy in a very harsh way. I'll give you what you want, but... And, and Paul says, if we're going to show, if we have to get the mercy and God wants us to use mercy, then do so with a cheerful heart, a glad heart, a generous heart. I think Jesus did this. I think even when Jesus said the 5,000, he didn't do it begrudgingly. The boys were probably begrudging. They were ready to go home. But I don't think Jesus was. I think he did it with an open heart and open hand. And then he gives us a little bit more journey advice. He says, let love be without hypocrisy or let love be genuine. Let it be real. As we heard in 1 John in chapter 4, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, I believe it is, where, where, where John's encouraging us to love not as Cain loved Abel. Okay? I still believe, I can see it in my mind's eye, those two walking out in the field, he's got his arm around Abel saying, I love you, brother, as he reaches around with a knife and stabs him in the back or however he killed him. Let love be genuine. Let it be real. If, you're, if you have the gift of, of foretelling of God's Word, then let it be genuine and real. If you've got the gift, of, the, the, the gift of ministry, let it be genuine and real. If you've got the gift of teaching, let it be genuine and real. If you love to exhort, let it be genuine and real. If you've got the gift of giving, let it be genuine and real. If you've got leadership, let it be genuine and real. If you show mercy, let it be genuine and let it be real. Let love without, be without hypocrisy. I'm telling you, we should live holy lives. But I am 100% convinced, and this is what Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your, by your love. By your love. 
We should live holy lives. I'm not taken away from that. But when the body of church starts loving as Christ loved, in the church and out of the church, the church will be filled, the altars will be filled, and people will be saved. But it's got to be love without hypocrisy. It's not love to your face and disdain to your back. It's genuine love all the way. Come on. Y'all, see, some people say, give us some deep stuff. Well, honey, it gets no deeper than that. Master that one and we'll move on. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. There's your holiness. Hate what God hates. Love what God loves. Hate what God hates. Love what God loves. That's journey life. That's journey life, guys. And because of the mercies of God, because of what God did for us, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because of that, we should journey. Not only should we journey, we should do so humbly. Not only should we do so humbly, but we should discover what God wants us to do along the journey as He gives us and apply those gifts along the journey. Not only should we apply the gifts along the journey, we should learn to love genuinely and not in a hypocritical way. Not only that, we should hate what is evil and we should love or cling to what is good. That's journey life. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I said this morning, when Paul said, which is your reasonable service, which is an accurate translation, and spiritual worship, which is an accurate translation of the word. I talked about that, that what happens outside the doors is also worship. We worship here, we worship there. We serve here, but we also serve there. The journey is going to take us outside doors for Baptist Church. The bulk of the journey the massive bulk of the journey will take us outside of Dorsville Baptist Church. I think God plans the race through the lostness of the world so the crowds can see the runners. And as we journey and as we run, the crowd says, I want to be a part of that. And that's called evangelism. That's called winning people to the kingdom. We may have to take time from our journey and go all the way back to the starting line and help somebody relationship and then begin again. I don't know. But guys, I know this. I, guys, I do know this. It's incredible. It's what it's all about. It's how you get to the casket. And when you breathe your last breath, you can say, few regrets to God be the glory. That's how you do it. Now, Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you um, have gifted us. And yet we know the tendency is to get puffy about that. God, keep us humble. Make us humble. If that means having a stumbling fall over once in a while, then God, I guess that's what we need to pray tonight. But Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege that you've given us. And Father, as we leave this place tonight in a few moments, 
as we go out into this world that we live in called Harrisburg and surrounding areas, Father, I pray that as we journey, that others will see Jesus in us and that we'll bring glory to your name, we'll rescue sinners in the name of Jesus Christ and bring them into your kingdom through your marvelous grace. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.